Hi, entrepreneurs. It's Steph here, and I want to be sure you've had the opportunity to reserve your ticket to our Entrepreneurs Founders Weekend for our Wealth and Wellness Retreat presented by Chase Inc. We will be hosting our event at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida from May 3rd to May 5th, and you are definitely going to want to be there with us. This is going to be your opportunity to build relationships with some of the most powerful women in business. And I can share with you firsthand that the best business relationships are formed when we really get together in person. And I just know so much business magic is going to happen when we're all together. From educational panels, networking activities to wellness activations, inspiring keynotes and breakout sessions. This is going to be a weekend you are not going to want to miss. So you can reserve your ticket today over at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. We only have a few tickets left, so be sure that you reserve yours today. That's entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. I cannot wait to see you there. 60%, it gives me, I just got chills, like knowing what I'm about to say. 60% of American counties don't have gynecologists. 20% of women don't have health insurance. The average gynecological visit is $300. It's just not accessible. It's not affordable. So there has to be some online solution for women. And the content can't completely go over their head. It can't be just like dry medical content. So we say rescripted is science-backed content, but in the voice of your best friend over brunch. Abby Mercado and Kristen Hodgson are the co-founders of Rescripted, the number one digital platform for fertility and women's health. With a shared experience of going through infertility and a commitment to building a community that offers support and education, Abby and Kristen joined forces and merged their previous ventures to create Rescripted. Coming up, what to do when your startup idea hits a wall and it's time to pivot. The key to creating a successful business partnership. You'll hear what it's like for a VC to fundraise for her own business. And finally, the fundraising strategy that worked for Rescripted. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Kristen and Abby, I am so thrilled to have you both here today to hear all about the Rescripted story and how your business came to be from someone who went through infertility and knows the struggle and how hard it is to build businesses, try to create families, looking for all the resources. When I meet founders who have that same passion for wanting to help others and then create a business around it, it's just the best. So thank you both in advance for what you've already done to build this business and now for sharing more about it with our entrepreneurial community. Thanks so much for having us today, Steph. Really excited to be here. Kristen, can you share the story of how this business actually came to be? Yeah. So my portion of the business. It was originally called the Fertility Tribe. And it started as a personal blog. I was going through my, I like to say my first infertility journey. 
about five and a half years ago. And I was 27 at the time. Um, you know, I hadn't even been trying to conceive, you know, I hadn't even been trying to get pregnant very long. I went off the pill after about 10 years and never got my period back. And that's how I kind of was alerted to something being wrong. So I found myself sitting in a fertility clinic waiting room, you know, not even 28 years old, thinking, how did I get here? (laughs) And none of my friends were trying to conceive, let alone going through IUIs or IVF. And there was no, as I'm sure you both can relate, like there was no handbook. There was no, this is what to expect. Every fertility journey is so different. Every person's body is different. Every couple's situation is different. Diagnoses, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and that's what I didn't know at the time, you know, on paper, my initial doctor looked at me and said, you know, you're, you're young, you have PCOS, you have eggs, you know, you're an easy, you're an easy target, but you know, it didn't end up being that straightforward for me. And I really felt like there needed to be sort of a hindsight is 2020 guide for women. So I have a background in publishing, love to write. So started just, you know, documenting my story. Once I got pregnant with my twins, I ended up documenting other people's stories and you know, I, I would say I, I, I love motherly. I'm sure you're familiar, but they were kind of my inspiration. I was like, okay, there's, there's a motherly for motherhood and pregnancy, but why isn't there a, you know, a digital media platform for fertility and, and family building. So kind of started what, what came to be kind of the first ever digital publishing platform for fertility, infertility, pregnancy loss, and non-traditional paths to parenthood. And then, you know, fast forward, a couple of years, I met Abby and, and, <laughs> and we ended up merging our businesses, but, um, but yeah, it started as a personal blog and it just kind of grew from there. And, and really just my passion for the topic just continued to fuel, you know, why I thought it was important to share stories and connect people during this difficult time in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can so relate and I share all the time that if it were not for Facebook and Instagram and reading other people's stories and then being inspired to start sharing our story, I would not have gotten pregnant or stayed pregnant because through the connections that I made through social media, some of these women have become my best friends to this day and were the ones that connected me with the right doctors, the right treatments to actually finally get the information I needed and get to the right doctors to get pregnant. So being able to create this whole platform, bringing everyone together and sharing this information at scale is so powerful and was so needed. And it's what I needed when I was going through everything in, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019. And it's really incredible what you have built together in such a short amount of time. So Abby, now take me to meeting Kristen. Where do you come in the picture here? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Kristen's story is amazing. So I was a VC investor prior to doing the work at Rescripted and co-founding Rescripted with Kristen. And I was doing something totally different. And, you know, that was investing mostly in B2B SaaS in the energy space. So, you know, it was interesting. It was fun. But I kept looking across the table at all of these entrepreneurs just having a 
maybe a little bit more fun than me. And I knew that my superpower wasn't necessarily going to be investing in these people. I really just wanted to be them um, straight up. And so simultaneously, my husband and I were going through a fertility journey that was difficult, that was complex. And, you know, as we went through, you know, various IUIs and IVF cycles, I don't even want to say fell in love with the fertility industry. Like I fell in dislike with the fertility industry. There are so many things that I thought could be fixed through just the smart application of technology that are educating people, empowering patients, you know, let, giving them information so they can better advocate for themselves. So I really fell in dislike with the fertility industry. And I said, you know what? Like I became pregnant with twins, you know, gave birth to the twins. And shortly thereafter, I said, I want to, you know, really devote my life to this community to help people in this space. So my first iteration with the infertility space, um, so Kristen and I have a third pounder, a third co-founder, Pear. So Pear and I had met in Denver. And so we started the first iteration, which was a B2B2C medication management platform sold to fertility clinics to be provided to their patients. So we launched that business through Techstars actually, and it did really well. We ran a, a handful of like really exciting pilots. We were making money but we ran into interoperability issues. So, you know, fertility clinics, fertility EMRs, they don't have to let other technology platforms integrate with them. And so we had, you know, an EMR that had 50% market share come to us and say, like, pound sand, like, we're not going to work with you. And so, you know, that's a gatekeeper and kind of startup 101, like gatekeepers are bad. Like if you, if there's a gatekeeper that's blocking, you know, the success of your business, like it's time to pivot girl. <laughs> and so, you know, I think Pear and I learned that lesson really quickly and we decided, you know, we said to each other, like, what do we want to do? We just really want to help people. This has always been a mission driven business. So, you know, how can we help the most people? It's by building a consumer business. And, you know, Pear and I looked at each other and we were like, we don't have any consumer experience. Like we need a third co-founder. This We can't pull this off by ourselves. And so that's when Kristen came along and uh, Kristen and I met on Instagram. Where all good relationships start. <laughs> yes, exactly. I slid into our DMs, you know, you know, and the, the rest is history. I think, you know, and like to, to build on that a little bit, Kristen's like the ultimate creative and I'm like the ultimate like operational, like like business person, you know, all about execution and like bringing those ideas to fruition. And so we became close friends first. Um, you know, we both IVF twin moms. Um, we both experienced pregnancy loss and, you know, we, we both just kind of had the same vision for the world. And so, you know, I probably about a month after we met and had had multiple conversations, I said, Kristen, like you have what I am really not great at, and I have, you know, where you could use just a little bit of help. Like, you know, let's see if we can figure this out together and just really build something meaningful hand in hand. So that's what we did. So tell me about that process of figuring out how do we bring both of these companies and businesses that already existed together to form what is now Rescripted? And actually, can you share what is Rescripted now to this day? <laughs> yeah, sure. So Rescripted is the number one global media platform for women's health and fertility. We provide content tools and resources for wherever you are in your reproductive life cycle from first period to last period. And we reach about 9 million people on a monthly basis. So that is Rescripted. And I can kind of, you know, start out and, you know, I think Kristen can probably has just a ton of advice in this space. So I basically 
I came to Kristen and I said, I think we should do this. And this is what I think it should look like. And then, you know, I will say like Kristen, she took her time. Like she really thought about like, is this what I want to do? What is this going to look like? Like, what are the risks to me? Am I going to be happy? So I don't know, Chris, maybe. Yeah, I, well, so I should say I worked in book publishing for nine years after college at a major book publisher and I loved my career, but then the pandemic happened. (laughs) And so I had been sort of doing this as my side hustle Mm -hmm. and, you know, getting more and more involved, obviously, as it grew and knew I wanted to potentially, you know, take it to the next level. But there's that, always that fear of like, should I actually quit my full-time job? But then when I, you know, when COVID happened and I was faced with, my my twins were 18 months old when (laughs) in March, 2020, had two toddlers And we went a couple months where I was doing, my husband and I were tag teaming childcare and I had basically two jobs and it was hard. Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I also, you know, I'm not the most business savvy, nor do I like that stuff. Like I really, truly am a creative at heart. And so when it came to, I had started making money with my business through ad sales, but I didn't particularly enjoy all that came with that, like, you know, the account management stuff, the contracts, the, you know, all of that sort of quote unquote boring stuff. And And I live for it. I think that's the most fun (laughs) thing ever. (laughs) But nor did I know how to scale it as just one person with, you know, no capital, you know, to my name and and like basically about to leave my full-time job. So Right around that time, I had been kind of toying with the idea of leaving my job. And and right around that time, I met Abby. And so she kind of approached me with this idea. And and like she said, I really did take my time because to go from owning 100% of your company that you literally started from like a personal blog on the internet to potentially giving away ownership and, you know, having other people make decisions with you, you know for the betterment of the company is a really tough thing to grasp when, you know, it's only, it was only, it had only been me for a while, but I quickly realized that a couple of things, one that, you know, Abby and I's skill set didn't, skill sets didn't really overlap. (laughs) You know, we really are kind of like the yin to each other's yang. Same with pair. It's like, and they really, you know, we all have a really great working relationship because we trust each other's ability to do our jobs really well. And so when it comes to, you know, editorial content, Abby's not trying to like micromanage what I publish and I'm not trying to get involved in revenue. (laughs) So (laughs) I I think that was evident really early on because, you know, that fear is always like, well, she's just going to like take this Instagram account that I built up to like 70,000 followers and like, she's like literally the most (laughs) terrifying thing you could ever ask me to do. Like, don't let Abby touch Instagram. Yeah, Actually, one of the first things (laughs) in the beginning that she said was like, I don't even want the login because I will destroy it by accident. (laughs) (laughs) By accident. Yeah. Well, I think you just touched on a, a lot of really great points. And this is something Courtney and I talk about all of the time when people ask, like, what is the secret to your success of being in business together for 10 plus years? I'm like, opposite skill sets. Like, I am not great at 
the majority of things Courtney is incredible at. And it sounds very similar here, like divide and conquer. You each have your roles and responsibilities. And I heard you say before, both of you talked about trust and like the most important thing in a business partnership, being able to trust each other. And I can see, Kristen, how in the beginning when, you know, this friend of yours has now slid into your DMs and now you're talking business, like, wait a second, what does this mean? But knowing that you're able to, you know, really trust each other no matter what is so important in business. Kristen, how did you figure out how to navigate the, you know, the deal to be made of of merging together and joining forces? Yeah. So there was a couple of things that I kind of, that were kind of like, I guess, deal breakers for me or, or, you know, I just, I wanted sort of security that if the company failed, I would at least get the content that I brought to the table back. Mm. And so like, including the Instagram account, cause I had grown that really organically. So we, we obviously got lawyers involved and, and never do a business deal without lawyers. No. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. You know, it's, you know, always have someone that has your best interest in mind, looking over any contracts and triple checking all that stuff because, you know, you could, and don't jump into things too quickly. Like I was literally sitting in on product meetings for weeks and weeks, if not months before we actually decided to sign the papers. So I was really like making sure I knew what I was getting into and that it was a good working relationship and that, you know, we were ironclad as far as the agreement went. And I will say, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people keep private in businesses, but Kristen Pear and I don't, like we have equal ownership in the business. Like we're all equally incentivized to see this thing do very well. And I don't think it works if you're not, like, it just doesn't, like, we're all like very much on, on even footing. And we have just that really powerful mutual respect for one another. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you shared that because I think that comes up in conversation a lot. It's, you know, one founder has 80% of the business and the other founder has 20. There's always going to be that dynamic of, is one person obviously more incentivized to keep working and doing more? I mm-hmm. I definitely have seen over and over again that when there's that equal partnership, it just works. Yeah. Yeah. Any other learning lessons you can both share from the process of building this company now together? It's almost cliche to say at this point, but it's like a marriage. Mm -hmm. Don't expect that you're going to start a company and exit it in, you know, two or three years. Like, Kristen and I are in this together for the long haul, like however long this takes, like, of course, we want to ultimately exit the business. And we're here together doing this, however long it takes. And we are nonstop talking, we are nonstop working together. And it's also like, we work a lot on our relationship and, you know, giving each other If it's like a a pump up speech or, you know, constructive criticism, like you kind of have to be that, that everything, um, for your co-founder. And, you know, I'm lucky that Kristen's one of my best friends also. (laughs) So that's been kind of like something that, that I didn't expect kind of at the very beginning, but it's just kind of happened, happened organically. So I think we're extremely lucky to have found friendship from Mm -hmm. this, but I think, you know, the obvious things are just that mutual respect and trust that we've talked about. Definitely. Up next, Learn about a new media platform that shares the founder stories from angel investors to their exits. 
Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. As a founder, or really as a woman in business who is creating their own success, whether you're just starting a business or you're scaling it, dealing with finances and money can often feel very overwhelming and intimidating. We have all been there. But according to fellow entrepreneurista and personal finance expert, Varnoosh Tarabi, that fear can surprisingly be very helpful for your future success and wealth. Varnoosh is the host of the So Money podcast and the author of the best-selling book, A Healthy State of Panic. She gets candid about all things finance with leading business experts every Friday on her podcast. And she dives deeper into the nine biggest fears that hold us back both professionally and personally in her latest book, including rejection, loneliness, fear of missing out and failure to name a few. She offers a wealth of knowledge and tackles the relatable feelings we all experience about money. So you are definitely going to want to subscribe to her podcast. And if you want to meet Farnoosh live and in person, be sure to join us at our Entrepreneurista Founders Weekend event from May 3rd to May 5th at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Farnoosh will be speaking and she cannot wait to connect with you. You can reserve your ticket at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend and we will see you there. Abby, talk to me about the process of figuring out how to fund this business. Your background, of course, as you mentioned, was in VC prior. How did you figure out, you know, how are you going to fund the business and make it profitable? (laughs) Totally. It's been a long road, Steph, and it's been a lot of lessons learned. So today, Rescripted has raised $3 million, all from angel investors. So our Techstars check is the only institutional capital that we have. But outside of that, it's individuals, um, family offices, often with personal ties to women's health, mm-hmm. um, to fertility, et cetera. Um, so really excited to have um, these folks just on our cap table, on our team. And, you know, today we're profitable, which is fantastic. We just concluded a profitable quarter, our first ever. And, you know, it's, that's something that's always been important to us, which is where things went sideways <laughs> in our funding story. So, you know, as a VC investor, I, you know, I was always like, oh yeah, like this will be super easy for me. Well, and like this team, like we're telling such a great story, you know, we'll get a VC check like that. Um, and so we've raised, um, we raised our first big round kind of in tandem with, with Best Shots merger with the Fertility Tribe to create Rescripted. And um, we raised 1.65 million and that was kind of our, our series seed one. And we spent about a month pitching VC. And, you know, we talked to all the big names out there, all, you know, the folks investing in fertility and and women's health and all the things, all the right people. And we got a lot of no's and that really sucked. And one of the things that was the most confusing, and it shouldn't have been confusing now that I, you know, kind of step out, step up on Mm -hmm. the balcony and use my brain a little bit, but we have always shown a performa that leads us to be profitable. So, and that's not back in 2021 and kind of the heyday, that was not something that VCs wanted to invest in. So, you know, profitability says, oh, you don't need to, you know, continue to be on the hamster wheel of funding. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need me, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on and on, but that was ultimately why I think we didn't raise VC. About a month in, we, we got a few big angel checks and, you know, we raised 
enough money such that it would have been really difficult to raise to raise VC at that point because the availability, there wasn't enough availability mm. in our round. So we said, Ixnay, like no, no VC checks. We're going to do this all with angels. And that's what we did. So that was kind of our, our first big round. We had raised a couple smaller rounds leading up until that while we were still kind of product market fit testing. And then we recently closed a round on the 23rd of December, two days before Christmas during a recession. But yeah, happy to have just a ton of strategic investors and also, you know, existing investors who invested prior and rescripted come back into the round um, because of what this amazing team has done. Mm. So yeah, that's been our, our capital raising journey to date. Can you tell me more about the process of raising from angels and what the strategy was to reach out to specific people. So for our entrepreneurs who are thinking about raising right now or they're planning to raise an angel round, like what is that strategy to get to the right people, to tell that story, and then to put urgency on it to actually close the round and make it happen? So, oh man, I think like the most important thing is like leave no stone unturned. So you're gonna like... Does your hometown have an angel network? Does your college have an angel network? Did you go to business school? Are you a member of On Deck? Did you do an accelerator program? It's like literally leave no stone unturned. Expect to do 3x more pitching um, than you would to VCs. Um, you know, and I, I think like honing in on the different things that an angel investor might want to see um, versus a VC investor. So, you know, angel investors, some of them are, you know, if they're not investing alongside VCs, like find those people if you just want to ra raise an angel round. And a lot of times they want to see quick exits versus, you know, unicorn IPO, et cetera, et cetera. So I think as females and as startups, like we glorify these big rounds and, you know, unicorns and IPOs and like all of those things. But it doesn't have to be like that. Like it is okay if you just want to build a big, amazing business that ultimately sells. And, you know, we found that that is our dream for sure. And, you know, like obviously we still want to take care of our community. That's like of utmost importance to us. But, you know, being able to find investors who support that dream. Mm -hmm. And they're like, it is okay if you're not worth a billion dollars in three years. Yeah. Like that is fine. And I'm still super excited to invest in you guys. So yeah, it can be complicated. Like it's this like weird, like secretive thing, but it doesn't have to be. Like there are so many different entrepreneurs, one of them, so many different communities that help, you know, kind of take the wall up out from over our eyes and like actually show mostly females what what can this actually look like it's not what you read in TechCrunch and just to you know give a plug to there's also this this new um media platform called they got acquired and Kristen and my friend Lexi is just you know kind of she started this business and she's essentially telling stories of founders who've who've exited their businesses and that's great yeah. and like how they've raised and you know lots of bootstrapping like again it does not have to look like TechCrunch it can just do you and build the business of your dreams I love that Kristen do you have anything to add to the fundraising journey <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ab Abby, were I've you running points on in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Abby, were you running points on all things fundraising? And Kristen, you were staying focused on 
Yes. Keeping the content going on the platform. Yes. I mean, I how did you guess? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, sat in on a a lot of the meetings, but, but yes, I I give, I give all of the credit in the world to Abby. In the same way I step out of many things that Kristen does. So again, we both have our roles and we know what those roles are. It's very clear. I love it. I love the divide and conquer. Okay. So take me back. You raise your first round. You have some capital in the bank right now, and now you can start executing on this strategy to build a business. I assume you needed to bring on some freelancers or employees. Like walk me through that process of now hiring the team to turn this vision of what Rescripted is going to be into a reality. I'll like lay the groundwork and then we can talk about our our creative team, which is our largest team. So our first hire was our head of marketing, Charlotte Maidenwald, who's amazing. So she comes from an ad agency background and she was with us when we raised the round and it, things just really grew from there. So, you know, I think it, it took us a little while to kind of find our footing as like professional content creators, we always joke, like, like, how do we scale Kristen? Mm-hmm. But like, it's actually not a joke, like truly, like, how do we scale Kristen? So well, taking a step back for a second, I feel like it was really important for me in those early days, because we knew that we weren't keeping either company's name mm-hmm. or branding to come up with a really solid brand that felt good on both sides. And like, represented, you know, who we wanted to be as a company moving forward. And Charlotte kind of helped us do that in in those first few months. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Charlotte was fantastic. You know, I think like a lot of media platforms are started out on, you know, Squarespace, you name it. Um, but Pairs just really intimate involvement in the business as a co-founder and our CTO made that like not good enough for us. And so very early on, we laid the groundwork for Rescripted to be a technology and data play mm-hmm. um, alongside being a content play. So, you know, Pair brought on a team. So our dev team, I think, is five, five people strong. And so you know, some of the technology that we built pretty early on before we decided that we would like really, really scale with content. So we have a social network for people who have mostly been through infertility and pregnancy loss to meet one another, to talk it out, to support one another, et cetera. It's just really a safe space off of traditional social media. We're excited to expand that later this year. We're really excited to expand to perimenopause, menopause, and cancer. And we think that that our social network definitely has a place in those categories. And so we're excited to see it flourish there as well. Um, we also have a shop. Um, it's a dropship marketplace. So a lot of technology going on there. And we also have an online pharmacy. So we started out with fertility medications, but we are about to launch with a company called Wisp that distributes gynecological products um, for women's health. So really excited to kind of expand outside of infertility and pregnancy loss and to just general women's gynecological issues. So that's kind of, you know, the team outside of content. We have about 30 people that we pay on a monthly basis over our, on our payroll. And so we've been really efficient with contractors, with freelancers, et cetera. Chris, why don't you speak a little to the content team and kind of what we've done there? Yeah, so we went from me writing, editing, <laughs> publishing every single piece of content, like two articles a week I had been publishing prior to our merger, to now I think we have a writing team of about 10, you know, 10 writers, 
underneath me. And I now have a copy editor who can help me with some of the editing. And we have a video content team for Instagram and TikTok. And it's really great to be able to utilize those people and be strategic with SEO and, you know, TikTok trends and all that stuff. And me not have to, me be able to be sort of like the creative director and not Mm. like have to film the TikToks. <laughs> so, so we've definitely come a long way and and I really like the bird's eye view. I think, you know, better to be able to be like a little bit more strategic in my work. Although I do make it a goal for myself to still write a couple of pieces a month just to get my yeah. my creative energy out. It was really interesting how fast the business like got its legs. So we were kind of, I guess, early in 2022, we had, I want to say like 20,000 page views, but we realized if we just continued to create content and just put it out into the world, like women were looking for this, like there was nothing out there. So the more content we put out, like we grew like 4X in the subsequent months just because of the volume that we started putting out. So that was a key learning to us as to like how much our content was needed and how, you know, women were Googling this stuff. So today, 50% of our site traffic comes from organic search. So it's a, I mean, there is a big gap in the web for women just looking for information on their health during their reproductive years. And luckily they found Rescripted and we can see that in the data. What is the monetization strategy? How does the business make money? We are the connective tissue between consumers and brands that matter to women. So essentially, we work really closely with brands to tell consumers about what they're doing in terms of innovating for women's health. So said another way, we do a lot of ad sales and native ads is native ads are, you know, the way that we we typical typically present those ads. You know, I think there's like there's a couple of things that are important to note here. So I will say our passion is to educate and empower consumers, specifically women. So that is our passion. So how do we get there? So there's so many different ways that you can monetize as a, as a business, but none looked really good to us. You know, we didn't want to have to rely on payers. We didn't want to have to charge the consumer. We didn't want to have to like break into providers. We just wanted consumers to have free, readily available, easily accessible information on their bodies. We think that's a fundamental right. And I'll throw some statistics out there. So, you know, 60%, it gives me, I just got chills, like knowing what I'm about to say, 60% of American counties don't have gynecologists. 20% of women don't have health insurance. The average gynecological visit is $300. It's just not accessible. It's not affordable. So there has to be some online solution for women and the content can't completely go over their head. It can't be just like dry medical content. So we say rescripted is science-backed content, Mm -hmm. but in the voice of your best friend over brunch. So Anyway, long-winded way of saying that that our monetization strategy is ad sales, but it's it's very much so for a reason. Did you have any type of background in ad sales prior to building this out as the strategy to monetize? No, zero. <laughs> How did you figure it out? I know we were talking about this briefly offline when we when we first connected, like with entrepreneurs. So like it wasn't our background what we did. You just kind of just figured it out. But did you find any mentors or did you hire people from other media companies to learn? 
Well, I think the way it kind of started was that before we even merged, I had fertility clinics. I mean, my platform was like the largest media platform on Instagram for infertility. So naturally, like fertility clinics, brands that were geared towards women who were trying to conceive, they would come to me and want to advertise on Instagram because that was where the majority of the community was. So we had the interest and we knew the interest was there. So when we became rescripted, we said, how can we scale this? And I had been growing our email list, which which now I think we've like tripled at this point since we merged. But, um, you know, and just continue to build out our offerings so that we have like a diverse menu, so to speak, of, you know, options for, you know, what that brand might be looking for. So whether it's, we typically go for brand awareness because we're an education first platform, but if a brand is looking for more conversions, you know, we have options there too. Yeah. Um, so I would say like, I love selling, like I've, you know, had roles in sales and business development before. So like, I have like a little bit of that DNA. We found product market fit like really quickly, as you can probably tell from what Kristen just mentioned about fertility clinics, like literally banging down her door at the fertility tribe. So I ran sales for a few months before it just got like overwhelming and I couldn't do it alone. And I will say the I think the best, scariest check we ever wrote was to, and I'll plug them too because they're amazing, um, was to a group called The Hunt Club who helped us find our director of partnerships, Jacqueline Sullivan. And she has been an absolute game changer. We've had record revenue every single month since she joined and I'm just so proud of her. And I'm so happy for us that we found her. Like, I think we could have gone really wrong. And it was a scary check to write for a recruiter. But I'm so happy that we wrote it because we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be the company that we are today without without Jack. So yeah, she's she's been. And I will say, like, we have a ton of mentors, you know, having gone through Techstars. It's like very much in our, our company DNA to like mentorship is everything. And being able to have the humility to say, like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, we have to, you know, ask the questions. We have to ask the stupid questions. Like, you can't get better without asking dumb questions. I always say there's no dumb questions. Every question is valid. We have to just ask them. And it's why we started this podcast. It's why we started our entrepreneurs community, because we all don't know what we don't know. But together, if we're able to have community and other resources and access to other people who maybe do have that experience, we can go ask the questions that maybe we think might not be the the best questions, but they need to be asked. We can't be scared to, to ask them or we're not going to learn and grow. And then I think I'll just add the other big shift I think came when we realized that, you know, we had so much more opportunity than just like the infertility and pregnancy loss audience. Sex ed in the U.S. is broken. We're actually running a state of sex ed survey right now. 40% of women don't know what the ovulatory window is, which I believe because I was 27 married with a bachelor's degree before I knew that I needed to ovulate in order to get pregnant. I remember Um, I I didn't know any of this. So many of us don't know this. They don't teach any of this. And even even at gynecology appointments, they're not talking about this. It's until you really need the information and it's so important. Yeah. So that was a big unlock for us where we realized like this isn't just fertility brands. This is women's health brands. It's, it's, you know, clean living. It's like, 
you know, I'm constantly Googling, like, should I be burning candles in my home while I'm trying to conceive? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, what candles are safe? So all of those things that like, there's just not always a clear cut answer. And sometimes like a brand is the answer, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely. Coming up, how to monetize your educational content and you'll hear what's next for Rescripted. Okay, so you both mentioned all of these new things and initiatives that you're working on and similar, like I feel like I'm always coming up with ideas, new revenue streams, and it's like, how do we do this? But how do you figure out which of these ideas do you prioritize in the business? And when do you, have you guys launched anything that like hasn't worked that you're like, we need to move on to the next thing? How do we prioritize? So we have a gazillion a gazillion ideas all the time. We are super users of Notion <laughs> as a platform to just like help us organize our thoughts and, you know, help us prioritize and all the things. Every department has a, a kind of a dedicated meeting every week. And, you know, it's very clear on like how all of the departments work together and just triangulate around each other. I would say like in terms of prioritization, because we're a media platform, we we always have to have like a North Star. So like what is kind of like the North Star thing that like we always have to like go back to. And for us, that's our site. Like that's our IP. That's where all of our technology is. That's where all of our content is. So as long as all things are moving in the right direction with our site. Like that's where we tend to spend most of our time. You know, I think lately we've been working on how to grow our newsletter just because that's been a successful way for us to get out information um, to consumers and they like it and they seem to want more of it. So that's kind of become a, a quick secondary North Star, but it's making sure that that we're kind of all aligned on what that is. And in terms of products. Here's a good one. So we launched a product called Mind Body Fertility. So it was a essentially it was kind of a pandemic baby in a way. So it was a mental health platform and it was small group therapy for people with infertility. And we tried to launch it and we partnered with a very famous fertility focused therapist named Dr. Ellie Domar, who's an advisor and, and great friend. And she had this really amazing program that was well loved. And, you know, we said, Allie, like, can we bring this online for you? We can help so many people. And so we did it. We did all the work. We released it direct to consumer and it flopped. And, you know, our learning was that fertility patients just like they don't want to spend any more money. Like oftentimes they're spending, you know, $30,000 plus out of pocket and it's just, they can't spare another dime. So the consumer is very clear there. And then we did a pilot with a payer, which is like impressive, right? But it didn't go the way that we wanted it to go. So, you know, Ultimately, we didn't get enough users there either. There could have been a, a lot of issues there. It might have been the way that the, the product was marketed. You know, they're a B2B company. It's totally different working with the consumer. You know, there's a lot of kind of hypotheses as to, you know, why it didn't go the way that we had planned it to go. But I look at that like fondly because we are able to say this is like we're only 
you know, such and such large team. Like we, this is not our focus. This is an amazing product that we feel strongly needs to exist out in the world, but we just can't do it all right now. So we've got to kill this, unfortunately. So it was hard, but at some point you just have to go back to the data and you have to go back to your North Star and say, "Mm, just maybe next time. Not it. Do you survey your audience now to find out ahead of time what they want or what they're interested in before you do launches? So we don't do that as much as we should. And I think there's actually there's actually like a, a more efficient and effective way for us to survey our audience. And now it's time to tell you about our new product. So tomorrow on April 4th, we will be releasing My Journey, which is a personalized um, version of our site. So if you're Kristen, you're 34 years old, you have Hashimoto's, PCOS, and are currently experiencing secondary infertility, you know, we'll be able to serve you up with content that is like very specific to you, very specific to your journey. So it's videos, it's articles, it's podcast episodes, also products that are specific to your diagnosis if you have one. I mean, you name it. If it's anywhere on our site, we'll be bringing it to you and letting you know it's there when it's new, all the things. So we're really excited about that and really excited to kind of see the response because that response will dictate how we grow. So we'll be watching the data really closely there. And, you know, I think our community will be really excited about it. That's my hypothesis. Was it always the plan to be able to make this personalized experience that you've been working on for a long time? Or did you realize just based on some of the feedback that this was going to be the next step and you started building it? Kristen and I had like a collective aha moment when we realized this is not just infertility and pregnancy loss. Yes, those are our our like collective personal passions, but this is just so much more than, you know, just those two things. And so, you know, we expanded very rapidly into women's health. So our demographic is now we've expanded like much younger. We're touching a ton of Gen Z's, which is really exciting. When formerly we were really just talking to millennials. So now we have people from, you know, lots of different generations and Gen X as well. And, you know, we're excited to go even north of that in the next year. So, so once we expanded our content base that broadly, we realized that we would have to kind of serve it up to people versus let them run around our site blindly. And yes, our site is like super easy to navigate and you can find everything that you're looking for and and all the things, but we're community leaders. Like we should be bringing this content, these tools, these resources to, you know, these very specific individual women on our site. We have so much content. Let's bring it to them. So yeah, I don't think it was obvious out of the gates, but it's now very obvious to us. Well, for our listeners, this is live now because we're recording this a few weeks before this episode is is released. So you can definitely go go check out this site and, and get all of your personalized content. Kristen, I'd love to hear from you, you know, what it has been like going through and navigating your infertility journey while also building this business. There's so many founders that I have spoken with over the past few years that are also navigating these journeys that are just so hard. So trying to build businesses at the same time as building families, what advice can you share to others that are currently going through it right now? It's definitely had its fair share of challenges, but, you know, navigating, I've been on an IVF journey, my second IVF journey for, oh gosh, I think I did my first transfer, like right after we merged. 
So that was about a year and a half ago, a little more. Than I remember that. you were like, are you okay if I get pregnant? And I was like, <laughs> are you actually kidding me? <laughs> like you silly girl, of course you do you. And yes, very silly girl. Cause little, little did I know that over <laughs> a year and a half later, I would still not be pregnant, but I think it's been twofold. Like on one hand, it's totally added fuel to my fire. And Mm -hmm. like, it really just shows me everything that's broken about like women's health and women's healthcare. I still find myself Googling, like knowing everything I know, I'm still constantly Googling. I'm in the two week wait right now. Actually, I haven't told a lot of people, but I did an embryo transfer on Friday. (laughs) Now I'm telling the world. Welcome. (laughs) Now the whole world knows. (laughs) Now we're all going to be praying here. Okay. Yes. You know, and I'm still Googling, like, does a twinge equal implantation on day three post transfer? (laughs) You know, it's three. So, you know, I'm constantly reassured that what we're doing is so important and necessary and constantly have new ideas for how we can like further help people like walking this road. I will say that I'm so relieved and happy that we're moving towards like more general women's health because, you know, at times it can get a little too personal and that's fine Mm -hmm. too. And, you know, it's hard to support others when you are going through something yourself and I'll never stop supporting others, but, but when it's literally your job and then you're eating and breathing, I've had to talk a lot with my therapist about that. (laughs) So, so, yeah, I don't know that I have, like, any particular advice other than just try to do your best to, like, make work work, even though it can still fuel your passion for what you do. But, like, I've been slowly trying to think of it more as a business because for so long it was not a business for me. This mm-hmm. was, like, my personal passion project. Mm-hmm. And a lot of businesses grow out of that. And eventually you kind of have to – like, I think merging with Abby and Para was kind of, like, the first step in acknowledging, okay, this is an actual business. But then now the next step is sort of saying, okay, like, I can delegate and I can – like, I'm not great at that because <laughs> I still have a lot of, like, control issues when it comes to the content <laughs> we put out. And, like, so, you know – it can be hard taking like a passion project and turning it into a business and actually thinking of it like a business, but I'm slowly trying to create that shift within myself. (laughs) Abby, anything you would add to that for you? I mean, Kristen's been through hell in the past year and a half. So like, I, you know, really admire her bravery and, you know, the fact that she can still like host our support group and like put out all this content and she's doing amazing work like when things are the hardest personally Mm -hmm. and you know I will say like Kristen is the face of our Instagram and the face of our community and like she has she's turned her pain into something that like she has shared her pain with the world Mm -hmm. and that's a really brave thing to do and you know she knows that she knows this but like the more she shares the more she helps people Mm -hmm. and the more that we reduce stigma surrounding infertility and pregnancy loss and Mm -hmm. the less people feel alone which is you know our ultimate goal when you have community you don't feel alone whether that's Mm -hmm. infertility whether that's like 
endometriosis, whether that's painful cramps, whether that's, you know, perimenopause, like it's, it's all about community. And um, Kristen's just been an incredible leader in this space. So thanks, Chris. Thanks, Abby. It's so true. Kristen, thank you for sharing your journey and, and all that you've been going through because it does help so many people not feel alone because this is the hardest thing. And it's the club that no one wants to be in. It's like the best club with the most amazing people that no one wants to be in, but we all need to all need to help each other. And sharing these journeys and stories is, is so, so helpful. I have so many more questions for both of you. And this podcast will end up being an hour and a half. And I'm not going to do that to our listeners right now, if we keep going with all of the questions that I have. So my idea is this episode will be out, I believe during national infertility awareness week, but let's definitely do an, an Instagram live or some other content together and continue the conversation because I think there's so many more things to share and to chat about and, and more advice as well, just for, for founders and women that are, that are going through this right now. So last question for both of you, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to both of you? To me, it's, there's so much more that we fight against every day, just like as females, there's not as much capital thrown our way. We don't hear as many stories of women in leadership, of women who are entrepreneurs. There's kind of been a, like, the press has just really hopped on, like, bad female leaders of startups in the past few years, which has been, you know, really unfortunate. And it's it's just not the case. <laughs> like, it's just not at all. So, you know, I think kind of flipping that script and, you know, making sure women have, who are entrepreneurs, have the support that they need and, you know, making sure that we share our lessons like openly and broadly, like we're doing with you today stuff. I think that's, that's really important. So yeah, that's me. For me, like the first thing that popped into my head was more of a personal note where I think going through IVF can become your identity. Being a mom can become your identity. But like, just, I don't know, I feel like this job is, and you know, the work that we are doing every day, like gives me so much purpose. And I wish that on every woman, like I wish that, you know, everyone had a job that made them feel like they loved going to work every day and that they were making a difference and that their voice could actually be heard. And I really feel that, you know, with what I'm doing right now. And so... I say this often, but one of the, I listened to a podcast back in the day before I started the fertility tribe and the advice was like, start before you're ready and done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking about starting a business, like, and you think people have done it before, like those people are not you. Mm -hmm. And just because it's been done before, doesn't mean that you can't do it better or do it different. And so I know not everyone can quit their job. It took me years of doing this as a side hustle before I was able to, but you got it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you both for sharing your story, all of these incredible learning lessons. I'm so excited to be more involved in your community and happy as I shared to share my story with your community and anything that we can do at Entrepreneurista to help and help spread the word about Rescripted. Where can everyone find you both personally, find Rescripted and follow you, share all the links and we'll link out to everything in the show notes too. 
Our Instagram is at fertility.rescripted. Same with TikTok. And our website is rescripted.com. And we'll put our personal LinkedIn and stuff like that in, in the show notes. Perfect. Kristen, Abby, thank you again for being here. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Founders are always asking us, what has been the secret to our success building multiple seven-figure businesses? Do you wanna know how? It's our community. We created the Entreprenista League for founders like you. Our members have access to everything we've used to grow our businesses over the past 10 plus years. To learn more and get on the wait list for when doors are open again, head over to entreprenista.com. That's entreprenista.com to get on the wait list.